0: And the fellows have some Bibles, so please uh, get their attention. If you don't have a Bible with you, it's marked at the very beginning. That's at Genesis chapter 2. And I mentioned already that today's presentation is a bit different than what we normally do. Normally at this point, I have a, a passage to which I ask you to turn, and we go through that together for the entirety of the, the message. Today I'm doing a tag team with uh, Brother Rich Carrico, and I'll introduce him in just a bit after I have some opening comments. And we will not be getting back to our study in the book of Ephesians until July the 24th, and that's because today with a Father's Day theme. And then beginning next week, we're going to have uh, the treat of hearing from our pastors in training uh, guys and so next week, Pastor Matt is going to uh, be preaching for us in this hour, and then uh, the following week, we're going to have uh, Brother Zach Hamilton, and the week after that, Brother Larry Castle. And then July 17th is Ordnance Sunday, so the entirety of this hour will be devoted to uh, observance of the Lord's Table communion, and then the following week is July 24th, we'll get back to our study through the book of Ephesians. So today, Father's Day, for which we have an outline for you that's inserted in your program and to which I'll allude, so I call your attention to that. Do you see in the outline that I say that God gives his grace through men? Now, I'm using the word grace in one of its many senses in the, in the Bible. It's most often used of God's grace to sinful people in Jesus Christ in his death and his burial and his, his resurrection. So we're going to see at the end of our time together, all graces, all benefits, all blessings that God gives to us in any respect are all channeled through the Lord Jesus Christ. But the word grace is used in a a broader sense than in scripture, sometimes to just refer to those very benefits, those blessings that God gives to us. And so when I say in your outline, God gives his grace through men, I'm saying that God has given to humanity... A gift in, in men. Just as I said at Mother's Day, God has given a gift to uh, our, our families and to humanity in general through women. God has done the same thing through men. And so when I say God gives His grace, God has given us this gift to mankind through the masculinity of, of men. Masculinity itself is a gift that God has given to humanity, I talked on Mother's Day about the particular empathy and the compassion that women, most women, have. And of course, men have those qualities too, but they're especially concentrated, as we saw on Mother's Day, in women. And likewise, now, men were made by God to be, in general, physically stronger in order for them to protect and to do what's necessary to provide for their families most men are made with a somewhat adventurous streak. And it causes them to be willing to take on new challenges. And in the best cases, to take on those new challenges not just because they're bored or because they haven't grown up yet, which is a particular malady in our, in our culture, the delayed uh, adolescence, the extended adolescence and delayed adulthood for many, for many men. But in the, in the best cases, those men are willing to take on those challenges new challenges for the benefit of their families and for the benefit of others you see these differences then between girls and boys to ultimately men and women very early on those of you that have sons know that boys want to break stuff they want to beat on things they generally want to to move around and uh... Again, speaking in generalities, girls generally are willing to be more quiet, willing to play in the corner, often willing to do what you, what you tell them. Now, that being the case, it's not clear to me and to others that we've sufficiently accounted for those differences in the way that we educate kids. Have you ever thought about that? That, that our schools are very often more, especially at a younger age, are better suited for girls than for boys. And a lot of boys have a very difficult time with that. It sits still, don't break anything, don't move. And, it, and, and a, lot of, a lot of boys have a very difficult time in those elementary years. There's a book that I will recommend to you. Along these lines, now, it's provocatively called, you have to sell books, so it's called The War Against Boys. It's by Christina Hoff Summers. It's not a, a Christian book particularly, but it has some insights with regard to these these differences, and the Bible teaches God-given differences between boys and girls and how they manifest themselves in in culture. And so God has given this gift of masculinity for a good purpose to humanity, but there are an array of forces that are amassed against men playing their role in our culture today. Let me just list a few of those for you. One of those is feminism, particularly as arisen in the 1960s and when i say feminism i don't mean uh looking for the rights of women that's all right and all good i guess it would be better called radical feminism which wants to erase all differences between males and females and that's especially seen in radical feminism support rapid support of abortion on demand because the one thing that shows the difference between men and women is that Women bear our children, and men, of course, cannot. If you can erase that difference, then you uh, you can erase other differences as well. So there's radical feminism. There's what some have called androgyny. It's a fancy term, but it's from two Greek terms, andros, which means male, and gynos, gynecologist, meaning female, and androgyny puts female and male characteristics together, blending those and, importantly, muting the differences between the natural differences between men and women divorce is rampant in our society the sexual revolution that has that has made husbands and fathers unnecessary for the for the raising of the next generation at least in the minds of of many cohabitation and on the list goes there are a wide variety of forces arrayed against men in fulfilling the god-given role of masculine leaders that, uh, that they have been given. So one of the manifestations of the gift of God to humanity through men is their very masculinity. But another manifestation of that is the leadership role that God has assigned to men. Now, I'd ask you to turn to Genesis chapter 2 to show you that at the very beginning God assigned a role of leadership to, to men. Most of you know that Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 give us the story of creation. In Genesis chapter 1, it's giving us the story of the six days of creation in general. And then in chapter 2, focusing on the sixth day in particular, the creation of the first man and the first woman. And God has created the first man when we come to chapter 2, and we're given a description of the details of that that creation. And in verse 18 of Genesis 2, God says this, Genesis 2, 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now what's interesting to me is that God pronounces the need for a helper suitable for him in verse 18, but God does not fulfill that need until you get down to verse 21. And there in verse 21, the Bible tells us he caused a sleep to fall on Adam and he he made the woman out of the man's rib. But he doesn't do that until verse 21. What happens in between in verses 19 and 20 is important. Notice verse 19. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field, all the birds of the air, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all of the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Now there are two reasons that those two verses, verses 19 and 20, are interspersed between God's pronouncement of man's need in verse 18 and his fulfilling that need in verse 21. Those two reasons are that Adam needed to see what God had already pronounced. God says it's not good for the man to be alone. Now he wants to show Adam so that Adam knows that it's not good for him to be alone. God knows what he needs. God wants Adam to see as well what he needs. And so God parades the animals in front of Adam, importantly, two by two. And Adam sees that every one of them has a counterpart, but for me, no suitable helper is found. So God pronounces his need, but then shows Adam his need as well. And so now, when God then supplies this, having created this desire in Adam for a helper suitable for him, Adam breaks out in song in verse 23. And she is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And Adam is thrilled with this gift from God because God has shown him his need, and this gracious God has fulfilled that need. That's one reason, but here's another reason. That God has this delay between the pronouncement and the fulfillment of the need. And that is, in verses 19 and 20, you see Adam naming all of the animals. And that's important because naming in the Bible, when you name something, you have authority over that which you name. Now, how does that relate to the role then that God has given to men from the very beginning? Notice chapter 3, chapter 3 and verse 20. Adam not only named all of the animals, But in verse 20 of chapter 3, Adam named his wife, Eve. And from the very beginning then, God is showing us that he had designed for the man to have leadership in his home. Masculinity and leadership as a gift to humanity from the very beginning of creation. Now, this God-given role for men to lead is also seen in what transpires in chapter 3, and most of you know the sad tale, that this is the fall of humanity into sin. The man is made to lead his home, but I want you to notice at the beginning of chapter 3 now, who leads in the discussion with the serpent. Verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said that to the woman, did the serpent. So the serpent knows how this is supposed to go. But he doesn't talk to Adam, he talks to, he talks to Eve. Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent. And this dialogue goes on, you get to the end of verse 4. You shall not surely die, the serpent says to the woman. So with all of that, here is Eve as the the, the most prominent player in this this scene of the fall of humanity into sin. And yet, have you ever heard the first sin called Eve's sin? It's always called who's sin? Adam's sin. As a matter of fact, the Bible says sin entered the world through one man. We men are like, hey, we've been ripped off for... Several millennia. But not really, because the question is, where was the guy who was supposed to be leading? And verse number 6 of Genesis chapter 3 tells us that Eve took from the fruit of the tree, and she ate, and then she gave some to her husband. And then notice the last phrase in verse 6, who was with her. And you have Adam now who was called by God and made by God to lead, but he is passively watching as his family is destroyed and the human race is plunged into into sin and all of its consequences. Now you see what kinds of problems then are going to transpire for men and for women with the abdication of this role and now the plunging of himself personally Eve personally, and humanity in general, into sin. You see that when God gives the pronouncements of the consequences for sin. And I want to show that to you quickly. God gives consequences as we go on in chapter 3 to the serpent. You're going to crawl on the ground. He He gives consequences to Adam. Adam, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to eke out a living. Thorns and thistles are going to grow. You were going to work before. Now your work's going to be eminently harder, more difficult. But then in verse 16, God gives a pronouncement to the woman, consequences for her. And here's what he says in verse 16. He says, here's one of the consequences for your sin, Eve. In pain, you are now going to give birth. And he says in verse 16, notice, and your desire will be for your husband. Now let me just stop there. You see, that doesn't sound like a curse. Your desire is going to be for your your husband because we think that it's a desire for intimacy and closeness. That's not what it means. In the context, it is is a a curse. It is a punishment. Your desire will be for your husband. And then notice the next phrase, but he will rule over you. And what God is saying now is this, as a result of this now, Jesus, Very often, it will be your desire to play the role that I have assigned to the man, and the man will sinfully respond by seeking to dominate over you. Have we seen that in the history of humanity? Now, how do I know that's what that phrase means? Chapter 4 records the first murder, Abel being murdered by his brother Cain. And God comes to Cain, and he says to Cain, Cain, what have you done? we come down to verse number seven of chapter four. God says to Cain, what have you done? And then God says this to Cain, sin is crouching at the door. It, sin, desires to have you, but you must master it. Now notice that phrase, it desires to have you, you must master it. That is the exact same phrase in Hebrew as chapter three and verse 16. Your desire will be for your husband, but he will seek to master you, seek to rule you. And so as a result then of this, of this sin, men have now fallen into one of two categories in abdicating their leadership in their homes. They either passively allow the woman to lead and don't exercise leadership at all, or they sinfully seek to dominate women. And the Bible teaches a very beautiful picture of neither one of those. And it is our job then as a church to restore men to their God-given calling. God calls men, made men to lead in their homes. He also made men to lead in the church. And I'll just give you a few passages that you can that you can jot down if you care to. And you can see that, that God has designed for males, for men to lead in his church. Acts chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. 1 Timothy 3, 2. So Acts chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, 1 Timothy 3, 2. 1 Timothy three 12. 2 Timothy 2, 2. So just four passages that show that God has designed for men to lead, not only in their homes, but in the church as well. And so what we as a church have to do is help men who are plagued by sin and plagued by the tendencies of passivity or domination to lead as God has designed in a Christ-like way. And that's why the Bible says husbands, in contrast to those approaches, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And the church has a responsibility then to help men in this leadership to which they've been called. I just have this pyramid there. Can you all see that? I don't know how. Yeah, I can see it. Good. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> you can see this uh, pyramid. On the, on the one side, you see the ministry of Paul as given in 2 Timothy 2. The things, Timothy, that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. Now you commit those things to reliable men who will be able to teach others also. And you see on the other side, the ministry of, of Jesus. Jesus at the, at the bottom of the, of the base of the pyramid, he had a large number of followers, but then there were some to whom he entrusted more leadership and some to whom uh, he, was, uh, he, he was in confidence uh, very often, calling them aside to speak to them about very important matters. We have that same model in the ministry of Paul, in the ministry of Jesus, and if we are going to be a God-honoring, successful church, our church is going to have to teach men to lead at all levels. And those men who show potential for leadership and greater leadership, move them along so that they can help lead God's church along in a way that honors and pleases Him. I've seen the need then for this for many years. The need for our church to have an effective training program for men, to do that which God has called them to, has been a burden of mine since the very beginning of our church. Some of you have heard our 15-year plan over the last several years. We have five years left in our 15-year plans. And one of the items you have heard me talk about over and over again is the establishment of a robust men's ministry. And I thank God that we have now come to the point that we can implement that this year. It's important for the health of our families. It's important for the health of our church. And I'm delighted as well to have Brother Rich Carrico Step forward and say that he is willing, not only willing, but desirous to lead this this ministry. So you're going to hear from Rich in, in just a moment. But let me just say why I'm delighted to have him leading this for us. Those of you that know Rich know that, individually, he is a godly Christian man, first and foremost. He's also a loving husband to a godly wife in Tracy. He is also a successful father. Now, I use that word carefully successful. Nick is still in the process, <laughs> and Nick is doing great, and our girls are in process as well. But, you know, Jess has grown. She's a fine Christian lady and desiring to serve, serve the Lord. I call that gospel success. It's, it's success by God's grace. And God has used Rich and Tracy as a, as a tool in that, that process. And, of course, Rich is a faithful servant in God's church. And so God gives his grace. Now in your outline, God gives his grace through men. But we want you to see as well that now God is giving his grace to men, in particular through his church, and Rich is going to come and tell you how our church is seeking to be a conduit of that grace to men.
1: Thanks, Pastor. Appreciate the opportunity to share our men's ministry with you. I look forward to getting to know our men on a different level and they grow with you as we go throughout this journey together. I'd like to just start off with just telling you what our goals are for the men's ministry. And I've got a number of to go through, so I just, uh, I'll try and run through this as quickly as possible. But our first goal is to train men to be godly in all areas of life. And I'd like to just kind of paint a picture. Once a young man graduates from high school, at that point he is training to secure an occupation for himself. After that, generally he'll get married, as I did. Uh, A couple of kids come. He tries to secure himself in an occupation to provide for his family. So there's a number of responsibilities that a man has, and then as those relationships mature with his family, there's even more pressure on him to meet other needs as well. So there's a lot of pressure, and just trying to get your handle on those areas of responsibility for a young man is difficult. And then what happens after that is generally trials will set in, the heat of life. And for those of you men that are kind of going through that uh, right now, and, and you'll continue to go through that because God uses that to refine us in our life and draw us closer to him. But as we go throughout the heat of life, we go through those trials, there's different cracks that generally appear in our lives and that is really one of the main focuses that I want to try to hone in on with the men's ministry is you find out how godly you are when you start to go through those trials in life and they will come and we want to be there for you during that time and we also want to show you that there's reservoirs that you can tap into for strength during that time secondly we'd like to prepare and encourage men to have an impact on other men and pastor alluded to this uh, passage, I believe, on Mother's Day, Titus 2, where the older women mentored the younger women, and the older men mentored the younger men. And really, in the churches I've been involved with, I really feel that this is a deficiency in our churches. I mean, if you think about it, men who are, say, north of 45, you've been through a lot of experiences in life. Uh, It could be work challenges. Maybe you were asked to compromise uh, in your work. Uh, It could be developing a work ethic. Uh, It could be family issues, finances, raising children. There's a number of experiences that you have gone through that the Lord has brought you through, and then we just remain silent. We don't share that with other young men to let them know that, look, hey, I've gone through that same thing that you're going through right now. This is how I addressed it from the Word of God, and give them encouragement. Even though my father had the, the most impact on my life, I, I certainly learned from other men. And, and it wasn't necessarily something that they, they told me, it was where they sat me down and gave me instruction. But it, just um, observing their life, I learned different things, and I still carry that to this day. So that's one goal as well that we would like to try to develop. Our third one is to train men to lead in the church, home, and workplace. And we'll talk a little bit more about leading in the home and the workplace Uh, once we get into the program. I'd like to introduce to you, but leading in the church basically is just having one ministry that you take ownership in. That's what that's our goal for each man to be able to to live out. And finally, accomplish what God has intended for your life. And we'll address that a little bit as well. But everyone, God has a plan for every man in his life, and we'd like for every man to be able to know what that is and to be able to develop develop it, and to to be able to accomplish it. The program that accomplishes all these goals that we would like our men to go through is called Men's Fraternity. We've got some slides here. This is a three-year program, and I'm briefly just going to kind of run through the... From your left to the right, I'll start with um, the Quest for Authentic Manhood. It addresses what... It answers what manhood is. You'll have a passionate... Um, description and definition of what true manhood is when you come through the first year. Uh, the second year will be authentic manhood, winning at home and work. And then the great adventure, what does God have for you in your life and being able to accomplish that. So with it, I'd like to show you a short video that describes the program a little bit more in detail.
2: Why? Would a 1,000 men converge on a church campus every Wednesday morning before sunrise? And more importantly, what difference does it make? Here in Little Rock at Fellowship Bible Church, men throughout Central Arkansas are making a radical discovery that is transforming not only their lives, but their homes, their churches, their communities, and their world as well. Men must be leaders in their families, they must be leaders in the community, they
3: must be leaders in the church. And I've never seen any teaching uh, anywhere that helps men to uh, become those types of leaders in all those arenas in men's fraternity. It has caused me to to consider uh, the impact that I
2: have on other people, uh, the impact that my serving them, Men's Fraternity, a compelling three-year curriculum developed by Dr. Robert Lewis, closes the gaps and brings guys from all walks of life together around a common manhood language and a biblical definition of masculinity that challenges them to reject passivity, accept responsibility, lead courageously, and expect the greater reward, God's reward. Beginning with the quest for authentic manhood, men's fraternity advances the cause with manhood at work and at home and finally launches the great adventure where men are called and equipped to live an outwardly focused faith. This can be a great model uh, to lead
0: and to be the man God wants them to be just for themselves but also for their peers, for their families, their communities and
1: ultimately the world.
3: I want to tell you that men's fraternity basically will do three things for you. Here's the first one. The first thing it's going to do, it's going to be a place where you can talk openly, and I want to say openly and safely, about what it means to be a man. It's real important that we have a place where we can talk openly and safely. You know, every year when we finish men's fraternity, we kind of take a survey of what the guys experienced when they went through this year together. And uh, one of the things that comes out of every year that I think is so important is men will tell me this. They'll say, I discovered I'm not alone. And then there's laundry. Let's consider this excerpt from the following letter Dear Dave, my husband announced one morning that he had discovered the previous night on the eve of a two day business trip that he was out of underwear. Why he told me, I don't know. I never tell him when I'm out of underwear. <laughs> it's true, isn't it, guys? Anyway, he decided to remedy the situation in true guy fashion by washing exactly three sets of underwear, thus disregarding the bulging hamper full of the rest of his underwear, which presumably he thought would wash itself. Signed, Allison Schuller from Albuquerque. David then says, this is a perfect example of the kind of hurtful, stereotypical, blanket statement about guys that women as a group are always making. Just because Mrs. Schuler's husband doesn't do the laundry doesn't mean that there aren't millions upon millions of males who do do their laundry and then hang it out to dry under the three sons of the planet Zomar, <laughs> where they obviously live. I will admit, however, that most guys here on earth do not do more laundry than they absolutely have to. Why is this? Are guys simply worthless, irresponsible scum? Yes. (laughs) And I thought maybe just to start us out, we'd do a big-picture overview of men's fraternity by giving you just a simply just a a diagram of orientation. It's there on your outline, and we'll put it up here on the screen. But I want to give you a sense of what Men's Fraternity is, because it's really a three-year curriculum, uh, and over that course of three years, we're building in a direction. Now, for those of you who are here for the very first time, I want you to know you're in the third year, and this is a whole new Men's Fraternity this year. Next year, we'll start Men's Fraternity 1 again and go 1, 2, and 3. But uh, to give you an overview, to give everybody an overview to kind of bring us up uh, to speed, let's just kind of walk through what the name of Men's Fraternity 1, 2, and 3 is name of Men's Fraternity 1 was called The Quest for Authentic Manhood. It's kind of a foundational level concerning manhood. Men's Fraternity 2 was a man at work and at home, focused on kind of two specific areas that predominantly are central to a man's life, his uh, career and his family. Then now here in Men's Fraternity 3... We're talking about a man in his world. It's, it's, it's what's out beyond that. And it's what's in his future. It's called a man and his great adventure. You know, where the first one was kind of a ground floor, Men's Fraternity 2 were kind of the walls, and now we're putting the roof on the house of masculinity. The focus of Men's Fraternity 1 was a man's core identity. It deals with identity issues. Uh, just basic kind of concepts. Whereas Men's Fraternity 2 dealt with a man's responsibilities, his chief responsibilities. And then Men's Fraternity 3, what you're here in, is a man's destiny. The chief elements in Men's Fraternity 1 was a man's wounds. It's looking back into his past and looking at the things that maybe misshaped part of his masculinity. And So we do a lot of probing in a man's past in Men's Fraternity 1. And we uh, give a definition of man at a place where guys can finally stand and do what I think most men in America still can't do, and that is if they were asked the question, what is a man? If you were asked the question, you guys who are here for the very first time, what is a man? Could you give us a succinct, passionate definition of it that you say, that's what I'm living to be? See, most guys can't. Most guys just draw a blank at that point. So Men's Fraternity 1, we give this Definition of manhood and then we overview some basic manhood issues. Then in Men's Fraternity 2 the chief elements are how a a man enjoys and engages his work in a whole new way. And then secondly how he successfully relates to a woman which is a big part of a man's life. And then finally in this one Men's Fraternity 3 what we're going to be doing is rediscovering some of the adventure of life. And we'll talk about why we need to do that here in a moment. But it's understanding also who I am uh, what what are the uniquenesses that I have as a man? So we're going to be talking about design issues, how men are designed, and how you uniquely are designed, and then discovering what I call a satisfying life focus. The major challenge, if you were with us in Men's Fraternity 1, was this call that we made, the boy must die. Now, if you were in Men's Fraternity 1, you know what that means. But there comes a place where a man has got to put away childish things. He's got to move on in his life to what I call real masculine, real manhood issues. So the boy in you must die in men's fraternity one. In men's fraternity two, it's more of the man in you must step forward. Step forward into those areas that are most central to your life. Step forward in the workplace with conviction, a whole different uh, conviction that goes beyond just making a paycheck. It's being a force in the workplace. And then also stepping forward in your home as the leader of your home and how you relate to your wife and to your children, the responsibilities you have there. And then in this particular men's fraternity, what we're doing is the adventurer. We're talking about the adventurer and you must live. Because somewhere along life's path, a lot of guys lose the adventure of life. It just becomes hard. The passion of men's fraternity one was seizing your manhood. The passion of Men's Fraternity 2 was establishing your manhood. And the passion of this Men's Fraternity, Men's Fraternity 3, is maximizing your manhood. In fact, if you look in those that last one on passion, for those of you guys who know the definition of manhood, uh, I really see the real central part of Men's Fraternity 1 is rejecting passivity. You remember that? That's really what Men's Fraternity 1 is. It's, it's finally stepping up and saying... Hey, I'm going to be a man. Men's fraternity two is uh, accepting responsibility, those chief responsibilities. Men's fraternity three is now leading courageously. Not your family and not in the workplace, leading you courageously in this great adventure so that you might receive all that God has for you in this life. And that's why the directives of the three, I'd put them just simply this way. Men's fraternity one is go. Men's fraternity two is fight. And men's fraternity three is win. Go, fight, and
1: win. This program is uniquely designed to address the needs of men. Uh, The format of the program is pretty simple. There's uh, 45 minutes of instruction, and then that'll be followed by 30 minutes of small group uh, interaction. And that's really the power of the program is is a small group interaction. Where uh, guys are able to kind of open up regarding uh, the material that we just went over so that we can uh, cement that. And also just to kind of encourage men uh, in life and, and all that uh, we go through. Uh, the program specifics, uh, our first meeting will be Friday, September the 16th. Uh, the program is the Quest for Authentic Manhood, that'll be the first series that we go through. Uh, at this point we'll be meeting at the Allen Park Community Center. Now, I just want to let you know with the time that we're going to be meeting in the morning, this, this is for men, okay? So the time that we'll be meeting will be from 6 o'clock in the morning to 7.30. Now, hopefully there's nobody feigning at this point, but uh, the reason why we, have, we meet so early is, is that actually this um, program has been in over 20,000 churches, and they said the most successful time to meet is early in the morning before work begins and I will tell you this is a commitment to go through this program that's as hard as it gets just just getting there Uh, after that it becomes much easier there's no homework uh, that you need to do Uh, but the first year uh, the sessions are there's 24 sessions so it's actually less than a half a year so it's not like we're gonna be meeting every week for 52 weeks And I really believe that this program is what the men in our church really need at this point. And I think that if, in fact, I know if if you come and you're able to open up a little bit and just stick with the program, I believe that the Lord will use this as really a pivotal point in your life on your journey to uh, serving him. Another component of the men's ministry is we'd like to balance the learning with uh, activities of just really experiencing life. And some of the activities that we're going to have is uh... and i'll just list a few of them gun instruction and in shooting in fact i've been told by a few of our guys this is going to be one of our first activities otherwise i'm going to be shot so will be uh... we'll be having that in the fall uh... i have a fella that would like to give us some um, bowling lessons if you haven't had that uh... self defense in- instruction i think that that is a key in uh, today's violent society just know how to defend yourself Uh, We could have uh, some weekend getaways, Tiger game, any other activities of your choice. But also I'd like to kind of balance that to uh, give us some experiencing life sessions. And these are really just sessions that you come and it's kind of like a little seminar where you can really just become knowledgeable in areas of life that you might not have any experience in. And a couple of those are retirement and investments. We'll have some professionals talk about that. Men's health and fitness men's purity which we do every summer Um, I'll have some testimonies from men outside the church that have gone through maybe some areas of difficulty in their life and they'd just like to kind of share that with you just to let you know that you're not the only one that goes through uh, these types of issues and maybe we'll have one on uh, just uh, general maintenance uh, uh, for your uh, automobile so those are just uh, to name a few one activity that we're going to take advantage of uh, there's a movie that's going to be coming out on September 30th called Courageous and maybe some of you have already heard about it but the same folks that uh, produced um, Facing the Giants and Fireproof has put this movie together and I wanted to, uh, to preview uh, just a clip of this movie because really this movie kind of mirrors what we're trying to accomplish with our men's ministry and the movie is about four police officers that have been trained to handle whatever the world throws at them But there's one challenge that they were ill-prepared to handle, and that was fatherhood.
2: Sheriff's office, we have a warrant for your arrest. Back door, back door!
3: Deputy Thompson has now survived his rookie year. I guess that means you can start using real bullets now. <laughs> when you get married,
0: have
1: some kids, you're going to figure out real quick how much you don't know.
3: You missed Emily's piano recital. Can I talk to you? Can I suggest that you spend a little more time with him? All he wants to do is play video games and go run five miles. What are you doing home?
1: They let me go. Do you really feel like it messed up your childhood not having a dad? More than you know.
2: Adam, I need you to come with
1: me right now. Man, if it for my family, I'd be in a tailspin right now. You do heal, but you're never the same.
2: I want to know what God expects of me. Me down I've been doing about half of what I should have been doing as a dad. You're being too hard on yourself. Now I'm Revolution? Yeah. You've been a good enough father. I don't want to be a good enough father. Can I say this too? I don't
3: feel like I started well. I don't want to finish well.
2: you're going do this, then do it
3: right. Something like this needs ceremony. I feel like a rich man. Father, I want the very best for you. I promise to take care of you.
0: So where are you, men of courage? I believe every father should step up
3: and answer the call. And to say, I will. I will.
1: My wife and I had the privilege to preview this movie, and I will tell you, this is a very powerful movie on fatherhood and manhood. And I'm not going to tell you about the story of the movie, but in the end, these men committed to fulfilling their God-given responsibilities to lead their families and influence the next generation, as you saw in a ceremony that was performed in that uh, movie clip. So next year, we would like to have a similar ceremony on Father's Day. And that will give our men the opportunity to make that same commitment that we saw in the movie. And I'd like to end with reading that commitment, and it's called The Resolution. I do solemnly resolve before God to take full responsibility for myself, my wife, and my children. I will love them, protect them, serve them, and teach them the word of God as a spiritual leader of my home. I'll be faithful to my wife to love and honor her to be willing to lay down my life for her as Jesus Christ did for me. I will bless my children and teach them to love God with all their hearts, all their minds, and all their strength. I will train them to honor authority and live responsibly. I will confront evil, pursue justice, and love mercy. I will pray for others and treat them with kindness, respect, and compassion. I will work diligently to provide for the needs of my family. I will forgive those who have wronged me and reconcile with those I have wronged. I will learn from my mistakes, repent of my sins, and walk with integrity as a man answerable to God. I will seek to honor God, be faithful to his church, obey his word, and do his will. I will courageously work with the strength God provides to fulfill this resolution for the the rest of my life and for his glory.
0: Well, thank you so much, Rich. I appreciate uh, your work on that and your willingness to lead that very, very much. I am looking forward to what God is going to do for our families and for our church as a result of this new and, I believe, vital ministry uh, for our church. Now, guys, one of the reasons we wanted to do this unusual service to promote this is because we think it's that important and because we not only wanted all of our guys to see what we're looking to do to help them, but we wanted the women to see what we're doing to help our men. Because, guys, even if you don't want to go, your wife wants you to go. And we're hoping ladies will be one of the best promoters for this as well by saying, look, you need to get up early and you need to go. And so make that commitment September 16. It's 6 in the morning at the Allen Park Community Center is where we'll, we'll be meeting. Thanks again, Rich. So in closing in your outline then, we say that God gives His grace through men. God has made men to, to be men, to, be, to, uh, to demonstrate manhood and masculinity. And God has made men to lead in the home and in the church. God gives His grace through men, but He also gives His grace to men. And He does that through the vehicle of His church. And this is the way we're trying to be conduits of that grace to you men. But last, but foundational, not least, Is what I have in your outline, that God gives his grace to men through his church, but ultimately through Jesus Christ. That God's grace comes to us as men through Jesus Christ. Now, why do I say that? Jesus Christ is called in Scripture the last Adam. Adam, the first man, Adam, was made to reflect God back to God. We were made in the image of God, but that image has been broken. And that broken image is manifest in all of the difficulties that we see internally in our own lives, in our relationships, in our homes, and in the workplace, and in our churches as well. So the image has been broken. God the Son, Jesus, the Bible calls the last Adam, the second Adam, who has come to restore that image, restore us, all of humanity and men as well to what they were made to be and so the bible tells us that God's work in the here and now is to conform us to the image of his son for us to become like Jesus and so the means through which the change that I need and the change that you need men is going to come to you is just yes, going to be through the varied means of God's grace through his church things like what Brother Rich alluded to. Older men encouraging younger men through a program like we're implementing. But behind all of that and influencing all of that and absolutely crucial to all of that is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. We're not just trying to become better men in general. We're trying to become the man. We're trying to become like Jesus, what we were made to be how does that happen I have to have a relationship with the God who made me and Jesus is the one who gives you that relationship and begins this reclamation project reclaiming you for himself to be what you were made to be and so man on this Father's Day the best gift that you could ever receive is Jesus Christ and the best gift that you could ever give to your family is that you tell them, I have, become, I have begun the process, the journey, of becoming the man that God made me to be because of Jesus Christ. Men, the problems that we have are because we are chasing dreams that the Bible calls idols. We are chasing lesser gods. The Bible calls that sin, it calls that idolatry, a number of synonyms but God made us for himself and Jesus has come to pay the penalty for the sin that I've committed and the sin that you've committed and when you recognize that you have gone astray that you are a broken image of God that needs to be restored and you have the humility to admit that before God I have sinned I recognize that I'm a sinner I know what Jesus has done for me by dying on the cross for me that's only the beginning He covers all of your sin, past, present, and here, this, future. But he begins his work in you by his spirit to make you what you were made to be. It starts there. And so, guys, I want to ask you to consider receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. Realize who you are and what the ultimate problem is. Recognize who he is and what he's done for you. God the Son has died for your sin. And then repent of your sin. I don't want this anymore. I want to be what God has made me to be. I want to go His way, not my way. And receive Jesus Christ into your life. We're going to pray in just a moment. And you pray in your own words. There's no magic formula. In your own words, from your heart to God, acknowledging to Him that you've sinned, acknowledging to Him that you believe He is your Savior from sin, to rescue you, deliver you, and that you want to follow Him. Ask him to forgive you, and he promises to begin that reclamation project in your life. Let's bow together. Our Father, we thank you for this special Lord's Day where we can focus on this issue of fatherhood, yes, but manhood in particular. We thank you, our Father, for your marvelous wisdom displayed in how you have made humanity male and female. And we thank you for the God given roles and the, and the God given propensities that you have assigned to each of us. Help us to appreciate and acknowledge those differences and, and enhance our strengths and help each other with our weaknesses. But Lord, because of sin, we are so debilitated, we chase so many phantom dreams. And we go in so many directions other than the direction that you have designed for us. And we feel the consequences of that. We know it. We see it in our personal lives and in our homes and in our world and in our churches. And so, Lord, we thank you for your grace that you do not leave us where we are, but you pursue us. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for pursuing each one of us. Thank you for pursuing the men in this room right now. And your pursuit of them has led to your grace through your church offering this opportunity to them. I pray that many men will take advantage of this. That many wives will urge their husbands, encourage them to participate. And as a result, men will reject passivity. They will embrace the God-given role that you have given them. And Lord, we are going to stand back and watch and praise you as you transform men and their families and our church as well. We thank you most of all for the Lord Jesus Christ, the man, the the one that we are to emulate, the one who is not ashamed to call us brothers, though he is God in the flesh. We thank you that Jesus succeeded where Adam failed. And we thank you that you engage in this reclamation project to conform us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you're beginning that process in the lives of some men right this very moment. We will honor you and praise you and glorify you for all that you accomplish in and through us and this ministry. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.